Creaky. <laughs> David Gandelman. Gandelman? Gandelman? How do you pronounce that? <laughs> yeah, Gandelman, yeah. Gandelman. Is that, it's very uh, wizard-like. I get that all the time. My friends will call me Gandalf, man. <laughs> I got to, I got to grow the beard in first to deserve it. How you going with the grays, or is it all disappearing? That's, I got a bit. Right. Yeah, I got a bit gray coming in. <laughs> awesome. So, pretty much, I don't know a thing about you. So, <laughs> let's. Uh, why don't we start there? Sure, sure. So, uh, actually, I do a lot of different things, but I would say my main competence is I teach spirituality and I teach meditation. And uh, as wild as this sounds, I spent seven years at an intuitive training school in Hawaii, or you might call it a psychic school. And I, I learned and then I started to teach people how to develop their spiritual abilities and their meditative abilities. Yes, yeah, a little bit of a Harry Potter. I was the director of kind of a real Harry Potter school. And uh, yeah, kind of a Hogwarts of uh, of Hawaii, <laughs> and then uh, that's what we call a low Hogwarts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, it was. It's pretty. It was pretty magical there. It was on a pretty remote part of the Big Island, small town, so it was pretty isolated. And uh, so I did that for a while. Lived in the Himalayas before that. Studied much more of the Eastern tradition style meditation, Vedanta, Zen, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of what those. You, what brought you to the, to there? Like, are, are you kind of working backwards? Are you working backwards? Yeah, I'm working backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was a teenager, I didn't meditate or anything like that. Never even heard of it. My brother, he was taking acid in college, came home and was like, Hey man, you don't, you need to open your mind. He dragged me to a bookstore. I ended up randomly picking up The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and I brought it home and that was the beginning of my meditation journey. Just, I would say I had a spiritual awakening at that moment. At the uh, moment and then, you first had a taste of meditation? Uh, like page three of The Power of Now. Yeah. yeah. Just a few pages of that book. And then uh, ever, so from 16, 17, 18, I would go on the internet and uh, I would just look up ashrams in the Himalayas and be like, oh my God, I want to go live at one, which was really strange. I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey in, in the United States well, outside of New Jersey. Uh, Bergen County, just like 15 minutes outside of Manhattan. And wow. yeah, and, and so my parents were like, what the hell is he doing all the time in his room meditating? What is that? So that's like <laughs> close, to the, uh, close to the Hudson? Yeah, right there. Pretty yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. Classic suburbs. And, uh, and so I ended up, uh, I, I graduated college and then I went to the, I went to Spain and then the Himalayas fulfilled that dream, lived there, lived in an ashram for a while and, uh, really went deep into studying spirituality and then ended up at that Hogwarts school in Hawaii. <laughs> and now I live in Los Angeles and teach meditation. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Something's here. Uh, let me just give me a second. I'm just going to sure. pull it moment. Sure, sure. Easy. All right. I Yes. <laughs> I love the Buddha behind you. It's good. Yeah. Um, this is where my flatmate's got a visitor. We knew they were coming, but we didn't know they were. <laughs> Come on in. We'll we'll all sit and have a chat. <laughs> 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 I, I, uh, we can we can chop this up in here regardless. But, sure. Um, so I just lost my train of thought. So we were in Aloha Hogwarts. Oh, so my question was, 
what where's the gap where's the connection there's a bit of a gap for me where's the connection between all right you were in the malayas you said you were you yeah were, so then how did you find out about the, the, the yeah it's an interesting story i was uh hanging out with some friends and a buddy of mine was like hey would you like an intuitive reading from this girl i'm dating this woman she was not a girl and uh i was like i don't know what that means but all right and so she sat me down on these pillows in a restaurant on the ganges river you know in india some some restaurants especially in the ganges they'll sit on pillows on the ground and and she closed her eyes and she just gave me this intuitive reading she closed she looked at me with her eyes closed it was the first time anyone had ever done that and what she said was so accurate so profound i could feel energy shifting in my body and then i spent two days laying in bed i could just feel like pain melting off me like icebergs melting i didn't even know i had this inside me and uh, I had a fancy degree in philosophy. I thought I read every book there was on spirituality and I had never experienced something like this. And so I went back to her, I was like, where did you learn how to do that, you witch? <laughs> and uh, she was like at this place in Hawaii. So I literally bought a ticket uh, to move there and to, and to study, which I did for seven years. And the, the really cool was thing was, was the yeah. To be there for seven years? Or no, not at all. I had no plan. I had no plan. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. I hitchhiked out of the airport in Hawaii with no money, uh, you know, one bag and didn't have anywhere to sleep on my first night. And I literally just made my way, ended up on somebody's floor, living in a tent, working on a farm. <laughs> I just made my way. And nice. it was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So that was, that was I had the, the, the interesting thing was, or the, the cool thing was, Oh, on the way to Hawaii, before I left India, I went to this fortune teller, astrologer, or, or in India, this per certain kind they call a nadi reader. So they look at these palm leaves, certain kind of leaf. I'm not exactly sure how it works. And uh, he was like, oh, I, I see you going to a place like Australia, working on a farm, becoming a psychic, then becoming a spiritual teacher. And so I already had my plane ticket to go to Hawaii, which he probably didn't even know what Hawaii was. And then when I got there, I started working on a farm. I trained to be a psychic and I became a teacher. <laughs> and I was already going to do those things. So it wasn't like he programmed me into them. He was validating me that I was on that path. And so, so you did have a plan after all. <laughs> I guess I did. I guess I did. The future self at least did. Yes. Have you ever had an experience like that? Have you ever uh, gone to somebody like that? Uh, less someone else and more, um, just visions from, from my own meditations and my own, yeah. uh, like premonitions and dreams. And yeah, so you have so, dreams that'll come true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like, scarily. So like, and, and, yeah. and it's a unrecognizable from the dream and the reality. So it's like, you can't tell the difference. So I could, like, I'm in one, I'm like, hang on a sec. I've totally been here and I don't even know if it's actually this lifetime. It's like, was that this like lifetime? Was that another prompt? Like, yeah, so, <laughs> it's like those deja vu moment where you're like, this is getting creepier the more that I'm noticing the things that I've been here. I know. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah, it happens like, to me often as well. Yeah, you know the thing is going to come, but that is really cool to have that, that um, outside validation or, you know, affirmation that, Okay, cool. That's someone else has tapped into the thing that that's already going on. Yeah, and so you've gone from that. So you were 
you were slightly, when the girl gave you the intuitive reading, you'd already had some sort of introduction to the, to the spirituality, right? Yeah, I was definitely studying spirituality deeply, but I had never been exposed to that kind, to energy work, to the intuitive realms. I was much more into the traditional, very rational, I would say even very masculine kind of spirituality that's taught in India in the Himalayas, which is you sit down, you close your eyes, you find enlightenment, you know the truth, and, like, and, and that's, that's the game. <laughs> and the the intuitive work is a little bit more i would say nuanced it's it's you learn how to work through layers of energy you learn how to see images uh you learn how to work with energy essentially is what it is and and open up different spiritual abilities which in the eastern traditions that i came from they would actually tell you not to do that they thought that was kind of taking you off your path Games, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess I'm a little rebellious. I don't like when someone's like, "Don't, don't do that." I'm like, "Wait, yeah, why? why? What's there?" Yeah, what's now? Now I'm intrigued. I can understand why they would say that because there's a lot of people who would abuse those kinds of abilities. I mean, governments weaponize those abilities, so I, I understand that. But I mean, it's like having it's like having a knife. You can cut a carrot or an apple, or you can hurt somebody. Right? It's it's not the it's not the tool that's the issue. It's the person using it. So you have to teach people how to use it wisely, which is hopefully what I do for a living, because I teach people how to do it with integrity. Right, and you can also use that same knife to to throw at people and just miss that's them. Right. <laughs> Use that same knife to carve a wonderful piece of artwork. You know, That's right. Applications, right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, I guess talking about like knives and the cutting edge for you. What's the what's the cutting edge? What's the the exciting thing for you in, in your learning and your current where you're at with uh, your studies, with your teaching, so on and so forth. Sure. Well, there's. There's a lot going on all at once. So last month, I every semester I teach at a, a school in America called Cornell University, which is a really nice school on the East Coast. And I get to teach about meditation. This time around, I did relationships, all sorts of cool stuff. And watching, you know, professors, administration, students, like, get into this kind of work that when I was in college didn't exist. Like you couldn't really get into it. There was like one basic meditation class I went to. And then uh, at the same time, I teach at a studio in Los Angeles called The Den, where we get to do really wild, cool spiritual stuff. Just beautiful groups of people. What kind of wild spiritual stuff? I teach a class called Psychic. So I teach people (laughs) how to develop these abilities. And then uh, at the same time, I podcast. I have a I have a podcast, Energy Matters, where we interview some cool people. And I also one of the things I've been really loving lately is I teach entrepreneurship for people who work in spirituality and wellness, and I teach them how to scale their businesses online. And that, yeah, that's always been interesting because the traditions I come from, they always like you can't do that. You know, you have to stay in your lane and. Again, become with capitalism and consciousness. Yeah. Well, you know, I was poor for a long time, especially living in India and Hawaii. And I was like, man, this, like, spirituality is amazing. It gives me so much, but I would love to be able to 
you know, buy a meal at a restaurant for some friends or travel. And no one's teaching me how to do that. So I was the director of the school. It was a nonprofit. I made very little money. And so I had very little money. So I had to hustle on the side, do some marketing uh, work and sales work, which I, I enjoyed. But then I, I embarked on this journey of learning entrepreneurship. And I just started with all the basic books, like four hour work week and, you know, the like Gary Vaynerchuk podcast. And I just, I just started to devour content. And I, I heard this great quote from is Jennifer Musk, it's Elon Musk's ex-wife. And she said, you have to take two really good ideas and have them have idea sex and then birth a third idea. Uh, you know, synergize things. And so, all right, I have this spiritual part of me and now I have this business part of me and I put them together. And now I really enjoy helping people like us uh, who work in wellness to, to build something that's sustainable so that they can live the life they want to live and not just do it on the side or dream about it, but really make it happen. And it really is a very sophisticated process. There's a lot of moving parts and it's not, it's a long arc. Like everybody wants to build a platform and just like let it rain money for my online course, but they don't realize how much real work it takes to build something of value that lasts. And I like, I like guiding people in that way. Yes, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours, really. So yeah. And, and more manpower than, uh, than just like yourself. A lot of us trying to do it ourselves a lot of the time. It's, especially the rebellious, the, the leader type, the, the, yeah. the alpha type who is going to, you know, say, fuck the system. It, it's just be like, I do it myself. And like, so learning how to build a team and work without sourcing and delegation. Is all of the above. Yeah. So I have like seven people that work with me on my team that help me in all different respects. And, and it's, it's yeah, so what, cool. What, what do some of them take care of? Like, and, and are they taking care of things that aren't your strength or how does that all work? Absolutely. So the, if you ever want to, there's a difference between being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. People think they're entrepreneurs, but they're just self-employed. So if you're working every hour for yourself, to make money and that's it, you're self-employed, which is fine. But to be an entrepreneur, to scale, you have to build a team. And so for, I, have, uh, I have someone named Lauren that works for me that helps me with email and, and it helps me with scheduling and podcast scheduling. And I have someone named Rachel who does graphic design and web work. I have a publicist for the podcast. I have an audio editor, uh, back-end internet person, uh, you know, bookkeeping, so accountant, I mean, these are things that I could never do, right? Like I can oh, never. Like if I have to worry about that stuff, the numbers and, and oh my lord, like I it hurts. Have, it I hurts your head. I just haven't got the bandwidth for it. I'm, I'm really good <laughs> at numbers, but in terms of like people ask me, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow?" I'm like, I do not know. Check. I have to check my schedule. Exactly. I, me too. I badly need help with scheduling. That's one of my weaknesses. And I think as like Warren Buffett would say, like you want to stay around your genius zone as much as possible. So mine, not that I'm a genius in anything, but maybe what I'm okay at is like teaching. Yeah. And, and so I try, to, I try to use as much of my time to teach and to create content as possible. And so actually I have a course coming out on uh, Insight Timer, which is an app I work with, which is I think where we connected uh, called the energetics of success and manifestation, where we work on some of this as well, and and so yes, yeah, so when I was in high school, and I'm sure when you were too, like our careers didn't exist. There was no podcasting. There were no apps. There was no meditation teachers. 
There's no yeah. Instagram. There's no YouTube. You could to be a meditation teacher, you had to be a, a monk, basically. You know, that wasn't really a career. Corporations weren't hiring meditation teachers now. I mean, in Los Angeles and California, like every all of my buddy just started teaching meditation at Uber and, and at Amazon. I've worked with other companies as well. And it's just amazing that how much the market has shifted and it's really just starting. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to do something like this, there's, there's room, be innovative. And for me, when I was living in India, there was no career path. When I was living in Hawaii, there was no career path. So I literally had to make it. And luckily, incredibly, luckily, it like on my career unfolded right when the market was opening up for this work. And, and so, so then, you have any, like, uh, stats on that? Like, um, I know that mindfulness, I know Gary Vee talks about mindfulness being one of the biggest, yeah. well, you know, biggest things, um, in the next few years. And, um, yeah, do you have any numbers around that? Like that you, that you found out from, like, you seem to be talking about this career path never existed and then it's been booming. Like what, what do you know about the, Uh, Yeah, you know, I don't know the latest, latest numbers, but I think it was either 2017 or 18. It was like corporations had spent like over a billion dollars on meditation and it was expected to double every year, I think, something along those lines. So there's incredible room for growth. And honestly, there are a lot of people getting out there teaching meditation with just not a lot of experience. And there's, it's not like becoming a doctor or a lawyer accountant where you get certified in a very structured way. It's kind of the wild west at the moment, which is fortunate if you're an entrepreneur, you can just make a career for yourself. And unfortunate if you're a student, because you have no idea if your teacher is any good or trained well or not. So on, and, that, point, yeah. on, that, on that point, what, what would you suggest? Because, you know, uh, I don't know how when you started or when you began, because you didn't tell me what ages or what years you started when you went to the Ganges and that. Yeah. But um, yeah, what would you suggest from the side of like, there's many people I know who have been meditating for 40 years and they, they might be struggling to start a business with it or there might be some people oh, yeah. who, who have just started and they, they want to learn more, but they again, they can't discern who is the, the, the real deal or is it just reviews? Is it just go and meet with them and sit with them and feel into it? Is it use the intuition? Is it all of the above? Like what, yeah, what would you recommend? Well, first I would choose your path. And so if you're into mindfulness, then like, for example, UCLA has a good mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn has a good program, I believe. So if you're into the intuitive arts, like that's something me and a bunch of colleagues of mine teach. If you're into Hinduism and, and Buddhism, like Buddhism, like someone like Pema Chodron, the Buddhist monk is amazing. Uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle is a phenomenal teacher. Adya Shanti is a great teacher. There, there are some incredible teachers out there. But in terms of very structured teacher trainings, honestly, I'm at a loss myself. I've talked to some of my colleagues about creating one because there aren't that many good ones out there. There are some uh, MBSR, mindfulness-based stress, stress reduction trainings. But other than that, it's just, I don't know. I think one of the reasons is as well, like meditation is as much of an art as a science. And right. so it's about the person's, it's about the person's own awakening, kind of where they are in their growth. And then it's also about their ability to be able to teach that. So you might be a phenomenal meditator, but you might be a shitty teacher. <laughs> or you might be a great teacher and you need you need to sit more. So yeah. I think when those things come together, uh, you can you can become a great teacher in your own right. And you know, not worry at this moment, 
and time in the market. You don't have to worry too much about the right certifications. I think ultimately it's like people enjoy your work and enjoy your teachings. Nice. And for you, do you find yourself repeating yourself a lot? Is there some core like principles that you base a lot of your, your teachings on that you could share with the listeners? I wish. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there used to be more. I'm a little fast and loose now. Um, I, I would say a couple of the things that I've, I've landed on just from my own experience and working. I've, I've done thousands of uh, one-on-one readings and sessions, counseling sessions with people over the years. So there are definitely some things that I've learned over time working with people and teaching. One of them is that most people have no idea really why they're on this planet. They're kind of letting life happen to them and, and, and they're just reacting to every situation and trying to survive and get by which is okay for a while, but if you really want to make your life work and be fulfilled, then you, start, you have to start living on purpose. And I think a lot of us suffer from like a psychic amnesia. So we have our first memory when we're about three. If you're lucky two, if you're unlucky, I don't know, five, six. And then, and then we're like, why, you know, what was that memory? Why am I here? Where did I come from? And now I have to figure this whole thing out. And I think that we exist far before we're born into these bodies and reconnecting with that part of ourselves is, is immensely important. Whether not necessarily like having memories, but like there's this essence in us, almost like the way the trees have a memory of the entire forest. Uh, there's just this collective memory. There's this uh, deep subtle essence in us that's much deeper than just the physical form that's trying to survive on a daily basis and if we're not in touch with that we're we're going to get lost and a lot of people are out of touch with that because they just live in their left brains and so meditation brings us back into touch with that space inside of ourselves and then once we're in a real authentic place then it becomes easier to see what's true for us on our life path and what's not and you know, out of all the thousands of people I've worked with, everyone has the same question, no matter what they ask. If they're like, hey, look, help me with my relationship, my career, my money, my spirituality, my pain. It's essentially, it's always the same question, which is what is my next step in life? You know, what's my next step? How do I heal? How do I grow? What is that next step? And, uh, and so how, then for me, then the question becomes, how do we find out what our true next step is? Like, is there a true next step? Is every decision I make right? Does it not matter? Is there a way to see that and to know it for sure? And I took a class in college when I uh, studied philosophy called epistemology, which is, the, which is the study of knowledge of how you know something. But unfortunately, I think in the, in, if you only use your intellectual capacity to make decisions, it's kind of like trying to change something in the mirror or like wipe something off your face in the mirror. Like it's just in your head. It's just intellectual. And when you go deeper in meditation, you can start to really feel, start to know and start to see your answers in a way that maybe I can't fully describe, but there's just something more real about those answers and true than just intellectualizing them. Like, for example, when those big questions in life, like, is this person my soulmate? Like, is this my real career path? Who am I? What's my creativity really like? Questions that somebody else can never answer for you. There's nobody who can answer those questions for you. You have to find them in yourself. When it comes to finding those answers, nobody teaches us how. 
they only teach us how to remember things and then regurgitate them. And, and so meditation is one of those tools that helps us find that way to look at our next steps. And the intuitive arts, for me, developing your spiritual abilities is how you start to see those answers with your eyes closed and at a certain point of progress, maybe even with your eyes open. Eyes open as well. So, what, what yeah. would you suggest to anybody who would like to start a practice? I know probably it's probably 100%, maybe not 100%, but 97% at least of people who I talk to about mindfulness and meditation say, Oh, I, I need to do that more. I've tried that before and that wasn't for me, but it felt like it was, it was beneficial. Or, like, yeah. like, a lot of people will be like, yeah, I need to do that more. I need to be more present. Or, I would love more of that. When I start talking about it, it's like, yeah, that sounds good. That's <laughs> like something I would like. Um, yeah. So like introducing or like uh, developing, cultivating a, a regular practice or just bringing it in as part of their life. Is there, is there some stuff that works for these thousands of people that you work with? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So first I would probably just start by saying like, get the fuck out of your head. <laughs> like the the part of you that's looking for the answer is the part of you that's the problem and it's that your ego is trying to solve the problem and so a lot of times people come to meditation and it's almost like they meditate with their intellect and they they just sit there and think and they think that by thinking they're going to figure it out and when they figure it out the pain will stop and they'll get their answer that is the ego trying to meditate <laughs> So a lot people will, they sabotage themselves right off the bat and they don't even realize that. So, and, yeah, and then so much effort and a lot of people don't re realize that meditation is incredibly simple and can be incredibly hard. This, the, the hard part is, is the simplicity. It's just, sitting in silence, just watching your thoughts, just watching your breath, just being a, the, the consciousness in you that is a witness to the experience versus the part of you that's always trying to control everything, figure it out, intellectualize, label. You know, the part of you that's always labeling, that's a tree, that's a car, that's a plant, that's a person, that's a dickhead, that's, that's my bank account without enough money. You know, it's like the part of us that's just label, 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 label. That's the part of you that's trying to take over while you're meditating and convince you that you should do mindfulness because you'll be a better person. <laughs> but really, you, you want it to come from that deeper place of like, who am I? If, I? if I was to come over to you and click a button behind your head and turn your thoughts off, who would you be? Who would you be without that incessant noise in your head? Would you still be there without the other hundred voices in the back of your head, you know, throwing expectations onto the screen of your mind, throwing judgments, throwing, throwing cones, you know, just to fuck with you, whatever it is. We, <laughs> so separating our awareness from our thoughts and recognizing, it's almost, if you imagine like if you were reading a book, and I said to you, I want you to read the book, but I want you to focus on the gaps between the letters, the gaps between the words, and the space on the page that has no writing. While you're reading, focus on that. Focus on the space while you look at the content. And if you can start to do that, then your thoughts will kind of like, they won't have as much of a Velcro grip on your consciousness. You know how you have those like, oh, thought, like a looping thought, and it'll just like pulls you away. It'll right. just like, you want to ride. And so that's... 
the hell did I go? Just then, like, yeah. When I'm, when I'm with my breath a second ago. Wait, the class is over. David just started talking, and the whole time I've been arguing with my ex-partner, and uh, he said it's done. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so making aware making space for the awareness of what's around the thoughts and honestly i would start by just sitting and just watching sitting and watching and then the next what step watching your thoughts watching your feelings watching your breath whatever it is so there are so many different kinds of meditation techniques but essentially, you want to start by just observing whatever you experience, the yeah. sounds in the room, the pressure of gravity, whatever you experience. You just, that's how you start, just by watching, just by watching. And then as we go deeper, and this is where I think you, like someone's been meditating for 40 years and they're still kind of a dickhead. Or they, <laughs> like, they haven't made any progress in certain areas of, like relationships. Like they're great at meditating, but they suck at relationships. And this is where it gets, where the rubber hits the road, where it gets deeper and, and more valuable for me is then we start to work with energy. So I sit, I close my eyes, and now there's this looping set of thoughts of like when I was eight years old and I had, you know, some abusive moment or I feel invalidated from my job or, or I'm lonely and that energy starts to come up. Now, what do I do with that in meditation? And unfortunately, in a lot of traditions, they say nothing, just watch that and let it pass. And I think that works to an extent that's good. Takes a but, long time. Takes a long time to get rid yeah, of Yeah, that's right. But I would say that some of your answers, a lot of your answers are actually inside the pain. Right. They're inside the loop of thoughts. So there's a thought. The thought doesn't matter as much as you think it does. The energy behind the thought or the energy behind the emotion is what matters a lot more. So what's the energy behind the thought that I'm not far enough in my career space? Look at that for a moment. Oh, it's invalidation because I'm comparing myself to somebody else. Where did that come from? Oh, when I was eight years old, you know, my dad said to me, you better fucking be somebody when you grow up. And like I took that to heart and that got stamped on my consciousness. And ever since then, I've been trying to fulfill that, which actually isn't even my life purpose. I've been trying to fulfill this, this chunk of pain that my dad put in there. So you have to follow it all the way back, see it for what it is in a neutral, loving, accepting way. And then we free ourselves from those energies. If we don't do that, it's almost like... Can you, uh, can you repeat that? Because we, yeah. I said that really quickly, but uh, that's the <laughs> important part that, that is, like, is missing in a lot of the practice. Yes. So, so we find the thought, we look at the energy behind the thought, invalidation, pain, uh, loneliness, Whatever it has, resistance, frustration, jealousy, resentment, whatever it happens to be. And then we trace it back. We ask the question, where did you arise from? Where do you come from? And the resentment's like, I come from when you were 12 years old and that girl wouldn't say yes to you. And then you decided on some level you were going to try to sleep with every girl you ever met just to show that you're worthy. You know, and then and then you get this ego complex about like I get my value based on the women that I date or the men that I date, right? Or you grow up poor and and you there's so much pain that you base your value on how wealthy you are. And and if we do that, then we're not living our life path because we're making decisions out of trying to heal pain. So we we trace that back to where we found it, where it started. We pull that image out. 
And we really, really come to terms with it and heal it. And that's a whole process in and of itself. But as we do that, it's almost like, you know how particles have a charge, like an electron has a charge, a proton has a charge. It's like there's a, these pictures, these energies in us have a charge. And when we recognize them and release them, they get like decharged and then that energy gets recycled back into us and we can use it to create something else. So if somebody, if 50% of somebody's energy is stuck in pain from the past, then they're only creating their future with 50% of themselves. So that's going to be a half created life. And a lot of people think that if they create their future, half-ass living. Exactly. So we have to reclaim oh, ourselves. Ass, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And listen, I'm not pretending like I'm done and I've reclaimed myself and like, I'm, I'm like, no, no, you shitheads catch up. Um, this, this is like a work in progress for life. And I work with different guides, healers, counselors every week for myself to help me stay on track and make sure that my energy is moving. And if I'm stuck on something, I, I get help with it. We, Nobody teaches us how to maintain our energy in a healthy way. And so uh, we don't because we just think we need to make money and find a partner and, and be cool. <laughs> and so, so we just, we, we don't maintain our energy, but it's almost like not exercising. You get energetically out of shape and then your muscles go into atrophy. And then somebody invalidates you and you can't handle it because, because you're weak in that way. 100%. And there was a part that you said, so when you really come to terms with it, what does that, I think that's the piece that a lot of people are missing. Like, what's the actual, is it accepting fully? Like, how, how can you actually go, all right, well, this has happened to me and, and release the child. Like, is there a process? You said that's a process in itself. Yeah, like, it is. Acceptingly, non-judgmentally. It's, it's great. So, how do we do that? Let's do, so why don't you give me an example of something you or someone you know has been through, and I'll work with it. Uh, an like, example. Yeah, of like a, a chunk of pain that might exist, like the ones I was mentioning. All right, so for instance, maybe like not being cared for as a, as a youngster. So like my parents, probably maybe we'll say eight or nine years maximum, I'm, I'm like highballing that figure, <laughs> um, yeah. took care of me throughout from, uh, from zero to say 16. So it was like a maximum eight years of actual parental care from my parents. So, mm. so like that might be something that I've... So I'm when you were eight, you had to take care of yourself from eight on? So like throughout. So whether other people had to take care of me. Uh, very, oh, okay. So I was, I was just running around. With yeah. With whoever would care for me kind of thing. Yeah, I see that. Great, great. So, so that can turn into a lot of different things. One of them is it can make a person extremely independent and like, I'll never fucking rely on somebody again. And that might seem positive to the world, but it also might come from a place of pain. And then that person's next step is to allow themselves to rely on somebody else and to deepen into trust and love with others. Uh, or the person might grow up and only rely on other people and only and never and just be a victim and never be able to create and just like i'm a victim my parents didn't take care of me right like both can be the case but neither maybe are healthy so it's not what you do it's the energy that you're in so for example tony robbins his father didn't feed him and he walked down on him and he was crazy poor and he said from this moment on I'm going to, you know, feed myself and I'm going to help feed other people. And he made himself a billionaire. 
I don't know Tony Robbins, so I don't know the energy that he's in. So if he built this billion dollar business out of resentment, then it's not worth anything. If he built it out of growth that he learned and he grew and he healed, then it's, it's worth so much. And my sense is he's fed hundreds of millions of people. He probably learned something. Uh, and, and so it's the energy that we're in when we're creating. So I can't say just based on the outer events of someone's life, what energy they're in necessarily. But so we, we, we go back to maybe one moment in time. So eight years old, parents drop you off at grandparents. They're like, they're going to take care of you at a friend's house. We're not, we're not there for you anymore. And then we have to ask ourselves, what is that feeling at that moment? What, what, let's go back in time. What's the feeling in that moment? So the feeling might be abandonment. So, 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 we, so, so we could do it because that's, that's a real life from my experience. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. We could actually do the process. Do it. Tell me, what is the feeling at that moment? Uh, so actually, funnily, you said eight years old at grandparents' house. It was actually nine years old at grandmother's house in a different country. Yeah. Uh, but that, there was many other times before that, but that's one that's vivid and, and actually close to what you were saying, exactly the example. Yeah. Intuitively. <laughs> <laughs> um, the feeling there was, I guess, confusion, lostness. Like, well, why am I here? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, so confusion and then confusion is usually an energy that's on top of another energy. So, so if we look, confusion's like, if you look at it energetically, it's like a cloud. It, it creates like a cloud. It foggies our vision, like we can't see clearly. So underneath confusion, there's some, something probably deeper. So underneath confusion, let's find out what's there. Is it uh, feeling like you're not loved? Uh, abandonment? I'm, 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 Unwanted. It's like it's, it's, not, it's not quite abandonment because I, I felt before that that I'd always have myself regardless. So, yeah. so it's le- it's less that and more, I guess, unwanted, unlovable, yeah. something around those kind of. Things. Oh, interesting. So um, let's go with unlovable. So unlovable is is a big one, right? So if somebody grows up, if someone doesn't heal that and they grow up from unlovable, then no matter what relationship they get in, they're never going to be able to receive love because somewhere deep down they believe they're unlovable. Uh, That's fascinating. So, so we take that moment, let's almost like if we look at a Polaroid picture of that, of that one moment where you're getting dropped off and you look at the energy and you go, all right, I see confusion. Under that confusion, I see the vibration of being unlovable. Cool. So let's just watch that for a moment. And sometimes as we just look at that, then the body in this moment starts to respond. And if you're really honest and open and authentic, you'll start to release that energy as you bring some forgiveness in. So like, let's look at that moment and go, well, look, you're eight years old. Of course, you felt uh, confused. Of course, you felt unlovable in that moment. Can you forgive yourself at that moment for feeling that way and, and let it be okay. Uh, and we just start there. And then we start to see if the energy shifts. Like can, can, that's, I mean, it's completely reasonable for an eight-year-old to feel that way. And just tell yourself, if I had you in meditation deeply, I'd have you just tell your eight-year-old self, like, it's totally okay. You're fine. You grow up to be an amazing human being. And this moment taught you a lot and made you strong, but you don't need to hold on to that pain anymore. And so it's time to start to let it go. So that, and then you and your eight-year-olds might need to have a good cry and a release and, and learn from that energy, really understand what it looks. So now you're, 
as a soul, you're here to learn, right? It's not, life is not about pain. I don't think the universe exists to punish and hurt us. It exists to teach us. Suffering. It's here. The whole infinity of life was created to make us suffer. (laughs) So, so it doesn't seem very feasible, does it? It doesn't seem very feasible. It's a a hard sell. It's it's, it's a hard sell. And, And so, what is the purpose? Then the next question we ask is, what is the purpose of this moment? And so, you as a soul, you're born into this body, you have this experience that you had literally no control over. There was never a moment where you were uh, responsible for this because you're too young to be responsible. And, and so, you're here to learn something about this. So, my guess is that part of your life's purpose is going to be healing that feeling of being unlovable and let yourself be loved and love others. So it's clear that your life purpose then is loving yourself and extending that love to others, being able to receive and to give love. Now, from one of the deepest parts of pain in your life, you found part of your life purpose. And so for me, like I was super sensitive growing up. Like if there was awkwardness, anger in the room, if two people were arguing, I would just curl up like, oh, I can't take this, stop. And so I thought that was a weakness But when I got into the intuitive training and spiritual work, I realized, oh, my sensitivity in this area of life is a strength. That's your superpower. It's my superpower, but only if it's developed appropriately and if I heal. If I I don't, it's my greatest weakness. And so you not being loved seems like your greatest weakness, but it turns out to be your greatest strength if you heal it. And every single person listening to this show, I guarantee you, you've got one or two of these or 10. And so it's not necessarily just one thing. But there are a few overarching themes that every soul has when it comes onto this planet. And from my perspective, things that are almost destined to happen. And then we have to heal and we have to grow and we have to share. So it never ends unless you're sharing. Like if you're still just by yourself in your own thing, you're, sorry, you're not done. You're, you're, still, you're still in the process. You got to get to a place of healing and then giving. Right. Um, we're all what on that some, path. What are some powerful questions like once you're in that space that you can ask yourself or you can, <clears throat> that will help to, to really unlock that, the lesson yeah. you learned. Because a lot of people can get addicted to just being in the pain or being in the, going yeah. and processing and constantly processing, but not actually getting the, the, the lesson. Yeah. The piece of so, thing that they can take with them and then reach that next cycle in that hero's journey, you know? So what, what are some well, powerful questions you can ask well, about actually? Well, this is... Yeah, this is the maybe the more unique part of the work that I do. So it's really about reading energy. So I could read my past and my images and I could read or I could look at you and I could read yours. So I could use my mind's eye to see inside myself or see inside you or somebody else. And so when we're when we're truly truly doing this work, we're seeing that image from our past and we're re- we're seeing the not just the image and the memory, but it's the energy and, and when we're re- the, the vibration of like being in it, right? Yeah, you're. I mean, it's you're reading the actual energy, and when you're actually doing that, you're doing the real work. If so you're just intellectualizing, you're not. You're reading it, or you're actually feeling it and being like you're associating and being with it. So you're feeling, you're seeing, and you're knowing. There's three different abilities that all work together, and this is the part that is very hard to teach quickly. Like my intuitive trainers, like I'm with a group, we're like 18 months in right now where we meet every week. 
uh, it's a lot of work to really learn how to do to do this. But at the same time, I, some people are very nat- they're naturals at this. Other people, some people are seers. Some people are feelers. Other people, they just sense. And it's hard to describe, but it's like, it's almost like, how do you know when you're in love? Like, that's a very hard thing to explain, but you know, there's a quality that you know. Uh, and, 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 if you're, and if you're going, well, you never really know. It's just, you know, synapses in your brain, then you're just in your fucking head and you're not going to get this. <laughs> so it's something that you deepen into through practice. And if you keep asking those intellectual questions, then you're just in the wrong part of your head at the moment. It's like if I was teaching you piano or art, those, those kinds of questions wouldn't get you anywhere. You could read a thousand books on playing the piano and it'll do nothing if you don't play the piano. Meditation is kind of like like this it's like it's an art where you learn how to work with energy and you just start to get you you just start to know oh i fucking got it like i just worked through that layer i sweated it out i cried it out it shifted i saw it it moved that's something that you learn through practice yeah so it's less a with with the question i guess it's the guide and when i say a powerful question so you're saying it's less about the question and more about finding out without questioning is that is that your response it's it's seeing it's really seeing seeing with a higher level of awareness and yeah good questions are important so you know a question like where did this energy arise from where did it come from you know how how does how has it shaped my life if you ask good questions you'll get good answers what is my next step is an incredible question so a lot of times when i wake up in the morning to meditate i'll ask that what is my what is the energetic theme of the day what's my next step what what's what, what am i here in this plan to focus on and then in meditation allow that to arise so you can see past pain you can see future steps you can see anything so the yeah the question that you ask is very important and you can literally, once you develop a skill like this, ask any question and, and start to look at it. Yeah, amazing. And have you got some, I guess, case studies? You said you work with thousands of people. Are there some that stand out that are like, you know, just still blow you away? Like for me personally, I've, I work with so many people, like hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands as well people, but I still get blown away every single time. Every time. That this stuff works. I'm like... I don't know how it works really. I, I'm just, I find it difficult to explain uh, a lot yeah. of the woo-woo concepts, but I just know it does. And I yeah. literally get mind blown and just blown <laughs> open and <laughs> exploded when it, when it does work and when people are applying the universal principles, the principles that have been around for ancients. And, yes. and then you see transformation, you see aliveness, you feel difference, you feel like the transcendental like uh, experiences people are having and, like, like life just absolutely improving or, you know, being of benefit, people just really stepping into that, that potential. And like, I just get blown away every time. But for you, have you got some like standout kind of case studies or which? Sure. Yeah. I have, uh, I have close to a thousand stories written down that are getting worked into a book at the moment. So I, I've got a couple, What's but. Maybe, have, you, have, you, have you got a working title or a finished title? Not yet. Or? Not yet. <laughs> Not yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to publish it. No working title yet, but we'll, I'll get there. But uh, just as an example, and I, I'll change some of the details, you know, protect people's identities from the past. But, um, you know, I was working with a woman in her mid 40s and, uh, you know, we were working on some stuff and I asked her a simple question like, are you single? And she was like, yeah. I was like, 
you don't want a relationship? And she was like, nope, I'm totally happy single. Always been single, always going to be single. And I, you know, I, and I just, with my eyes closed, I just looked at that and I just stared for a few minutes, a good, a good long few minutes. And I was like, that doesn't look right. Uh, that doesn't even look true. And then I just had to ask a very difficult question of if there, if there was some abuse there, you know. And uh, then it was just dead silence for minutes, minutes. And then, and then for the first time in her life, she shared that there was very, very, I mean, the worst abuse I've ever heard in my life, unfortunately. And it was just like a dam breaking, you know, at that moment. And the only reason she shared was because I was able to see it and just say it. And so she already knew that I could see it, but I was really there. I needed her to say it, you know, because uh, that's where the power comes from. And, uh, and, and so the dam broke. And then, you know, I just said what I see. And I changed some of the details, but I said, oh, I see a guy from Ireland. And, and she's like, well, I'm not going in that direction. You know, I'm flying in the opposite direction on, on this planet, not anywhere near Ireland. And, but whatever. I was like, all right, I don't know whatever. And so we, you know, it was great. We ended. And the next day she messaged me and she's like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. I'm in the airport and I met this guy from Ireland and we exchanged numbers and he seems really cool. <laughs> and and you weren't in Ireland or anywhere near Ireland. So yeah. And so like a moment like that, there's been many of those kinds of moments and I've had them happen to me as well with other healers and with doing my own inner work. And I think the magic of that kind of validation is important to know that we're on this planet for a reason and it's not purposeless. Like there's, there's a rhyme and a reason. Sometimes it's very covered up, but it's there. And in terms of the, like the entrepreneurial stuff, is that quite new for you? You've been, that's, a bit of yeah. excitement right now, and that's what you're absolutely in. Like, last few years. Have, have, have you got some uh, some stories around that, like from people who have like what what's the typical kind of person that you love to work with, and what kind of uh, you know I guess results or what kind of experience are they creating for themselves? Sure. Uh, well, one example, I guess I'll try to keep it as vague as possible. But I had a student recently works worked uh, for one of the top three biggest companies in the world, and uh, and then he went off on his own and we were doing some work together on developing a consulting thing that he was going to bring back to them. And I think he ended up making $10,000 in an hour and, you know, really started developing his business. And then I work with uh, some meditation teachers, naturopathic doctors, Pilates teachers, photographers, yoga teachers who are all developing their businesses in different ways, podcasts, online courses, social media, which honestly is not my, if you want, if you want help with social media, I'm not the guy. Uh, <laughs> but so all sorts of kinds of people, but definitely a wellness focus, like bringing wellness into the world and knowing that, you know, it is like that Joseph Campbell uh, arc that you mentioned earlier. So we go on this journey, like for me, it was India, Hawaii, you know, we go on a journey, we find some deep truth, we work through some shit, we, we, you know, find that treasure inside of ourselves. And then we have to come back around, like in Lord of the Rings, you know, the hobbits come back to the Shire and, the, and they just drop the ring. I don't want to ruin the movie, but they drop yeah. the ring into the lava. <laughs> yeah. And then they come back to the Shire and everyone's like, oh, did you leave? <laughs> and it can feel like that sometimes like are you kidding do you know the fucking transformation i went through but because other people haven't gone through the transformation they can't see it inside you but then it becomes your job if you so choose it 
to share whatever experience and transformation you have to help others. And like Joseph Campbell says, maybe the world rejects it. Maybe they don't want it, or maybe they take 10%. And uh, I definitely feel like sometimes I only get to teach part of what I experienced because there's, I went through an arc. It's going to take other people as well to go through an arc. I can't just, when someone says like, I'm going to teach you in 10 minutes, what it took me 10 years to learn. I'm like, no, you're not. (laughs) I mean, you might intellectually tell me, but for me to get it, uh, you're right. Like you can listen to the Buddha for, if if there was a recording, I'm sure you get the whole truth in 10 minutes, but still might take you a while to develop. That's that's one of my records, like a couple of concepts you've been talking about. Are like the core for me like I, I believe our presence is purpose you know that's one of my core philosophies and mm-hmm. missions is like bringing people back to that presence so that the purpose they can remember why they came here and then they can get on with living life or allowing life to live them you know so, i love that i love that yeah but that's like some one of the concepts there or another one is you know that uh, it takes 1000 days to discipline and 10,000 days to mastery you know mm-hmm. having that kind of reframe around putting the work in it's just super, super helpful to actually stick with something and stay committed. Yeah, and I live in LA where everyone's like, hey, I want to be famous today. And uh, yeah, and, and without any work involved and just if I augment my body, then yeah, that, that whole thing. <laughs> so I'm new to Los Angeles, so that part's been pretty, that part's been a little tough for me. It's a bit faster, right? It's a bit faster. Yeah. And, well, and it's yeah. In terms of all those people that you've working with, the teachers, the naturopaths, the healers, the meditation teachers, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, is there a? I know it's not. I know everybody's going to be different, or I imagine so that everybody's going to have a unique uh, scenario that they're in. But is there some common, like you know, I'm imagining there's a whole bunch of those types of people listening right now, uh, business owners, so on so people who want to start a business, people who are starting yeah. to to the next level. I want to really expand that that reach of their own, um, you know, their own impact and the, their own fulfillment. It might be whatever position they might be in. But are there some uh, some things that have worked for for all of those people that you can share with the listeners now? Yeah. So one thing that I really work on my student with my students on is stop trying to build a castle before you know how to build a shed in the backyard. So everyone's like. David, I'm starting my business, so I'm going to build. I'm going to pay someone five thousand dollars to build me a website, and it's going to be a WordPress website with lots of backend plugins, and then I'll have to spend a hundred dollars an hour to fix everything that's broken once it's done. That's basically what I started. I did at first, and that's what most people do. And they're like, oh, David, I'm going to do Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, website, podcast, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So one of the first. Yeah, one of the first things I always like to tell my students is like, imagine your business is like a tree. And every time you say to me, I'm going to do YouTube, all right, now a branch just grew and 10 branches are going to grow off of that. So whatever, however much work you think it is, multiply that by 10 for that branch. Now you're going to do Instagram, multiply that work by 10. You're going to do a podcast, multiply that work by 10. And so someone, usually what happens, we stretch ourselves too thin in the beginning and then we're multitasking like maniacs. And we never get that far. So I highly suggest back all that up and start with something very simple. Create the content first. Don't worry about the platform. If it's video, make video. If it's audio, make audio. If it's written, write. Don't worry about the platform so much. Make something great and make something small, an MVP, a minimal viable product, something small that you could test and share. Because I guarantee your first step, 
it ain't going to be that good. You're going to think it is like a kid with <laughs> a finger painting. I'm like, look what I did. And everyone's going to be like, you did so good. You'd be like, I did. But you know what? No, it's not that good. Trust me. <laughs> like, it's good, but, and you're great. You're wonderful. And, 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 and being okay with that is, is huge. Yes. I believe there's a lot, uh, 70, 60, 70% of people that I've encountered stop themselves from actually doing it because they know that. And they know yes. it's going to be imperfect and they don't, they're not okay with that. The perfect is the, perfect is the enemy of the good. It'll, it, there's nothing worse than trying to be perfect. That will, that will kill your business from day one. Just it's, throw that idea out the window. It's going to be very messy and be okay with that. So I say start with something very small. Create what I would call like, a, for example, if you're doing an online business of some kind, you want to create a course, just as an example. Create a lead generator. So maybe you do like four free days of meditation or, or three yoga videos or a PDF on, on recipes, on nutrition. Something really good. Don't give people something average. Give them your best work. Give it away for free. And honestly, you might end up having to give away your best work for free for a couple of years before you build a big enough audience to be able to sell something. Let me just repeat that. Let me just repeat that. Hey, guys, listen to this. You may have to give away your best stuff for years. Years. Let that sink in for a second before before you get any traction out there in the market. So, for example, I teach uh, an Insight Timer app, which is the most used meditation app in the world. And uh, apparently they have a pie chart on their website and it says that they're used 63% of the time uh, out of all 1800 meditation apps and then comments like 15% or something and then headspace and then 1800 more apps. So like massive usage in this one app and I'm one of their more popular teachers and I had to give away my best content for years on that app before I made a dollar and and continue to today giving away so much content because it just, there's so much out there. You just have to, you have to build an audience. It's just, it just tends to be how it works. Now, can you make a, a, a quick win by getting some crazy good Facebook ads right off the bat and sell something for a thousand dollars? Yeah, like it's possible. Uh, but is that going to sustain over time? Uh, you want to, you want to build clients and students and, and a community that will follow you everywhere forever. You can just build something real that'll last. And so you have to, you have to generally put in the work. Once in a while, there's a unicorn uh, that like your content is either one, so good, or you're just in the right place at the right time, rocket, just like rocket, a right. fucking rocket ship. Yeah. And the rest of us, we have to work our asses off. And there's nothing you can do to be the unicorn. So don't like, just do your work. It's like trying to go viral, right? Yeah, and I heard Barack Obama say this to a group of interns once. He was like, there's literally nothing you could do to become president of the United States. That's winning the lottery. He's like, you know, you could try really hard to do lots of good work, and then maybe you get lucky and, and the stars align, something like that. So the same with the business, like do, do the work, but create something very small, very simple, share it and iterate, share it and iterate, make it better and better and better, 10,000 versions of the same thing until it's amazing and make sure you're getting feedback from people. And so if everyone's going, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that, don't keep making that. Create something that works and helps people that they, that they want. And the platform doesn't matter because by the time you're ready to make money, the platform's going to be different. I guarantee it. In two years from now, there's going to be some Instagram alternative, some podcast thing that's different. So if you focus too much on that, 
might miss out. Just, just make, you know, if you're a great singer, it could be 2,000 years ago, it could be today, or it could be 2,000 years in the future, you're going to have a job if you're an amazing singer. Same with if you're an artist. And in today's uh, market, in today's world, it's all about that creative energy and, and what you have to offer in that way. So find that in yourself. Too. It might take, you know what, the, by the way, the two-year arc, for example, two years of sharing your stuff for free, that might be after a 10-year arc of developing right that might be after 10 years of developing a, a, an art uh so if you're starting your business the same day you're starting your art you're in trouble <laughs> yeah 100 yeah. thank you there's uh so much we could talk about i know and i'm, I'm pretty sure we will get to it. maybe we save it for maybe we uh, chew on the other foot and i jump on your show or something sure. like that i'd love uh, to have but, you but there's been a ton of value in there thank you so much for joining us and um absolutely yeah. Pleasure to meet you, and I'm keen to learn more about you. But have you got anything coming up? Anything you want to promote? Shout out? Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, well, let's, a couple things. If you, uh, one, if you have trouble sleeping, I have a free sleep podcast. It's called Grounded Sleep, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, wherever. Uh, my other podcast, Interview Form, Energy Matters. I am going to be doing another business course soon. Uh, I don't have the date yet, but my main website is davidgandelman.com you can have tons of free stuff on there healing from heartbreak course free entrepreneurship stuff a meditation really a four-day releasing stress and anxiety course so uh, hopefully something that gives you value and i don't care if you never spend a dollar with me just sit down and meditate for the love of god close your eyes let go of some energy and shift if everyone just did a bit more of that this planet would be in much better shape I 100% agree. I've just moved yeah. into a new area where the, like, I guess it'd be not to the extent, but similarly to that LA kind of vibe where it's just, oh, like, yeah. it's just like that it's happening like that, but a lot of density in here as well. And I was just, where like, is like, that? I was, it's in Melbourne. It's in Melbourne. Okay. Australia, it's just like the, the south side of town. Um, and St. Kilda is the name of the place, but it's, uh, it is a lot of the business owners are leaving. A lot of the, that it's gentrifying and like a lot of mm. stuff is happening where it's just like the densities around and people are leaving the area and shop owners have to close down because no one lives here anymore. And, uh, oh, wow. So that, that kind of stuff is happening. But uh, I was out there this morning um, with one of my clients uh, who's become a good friend and we were practicing Qigong in the park. And he's like, I had a vision actually when I was walking there. Uh, this is one of those premonition things, which I believe, you know, and, and I feel like it will manifest a lot of these things these days that or over the past yeah. many years well i'll see them and i'm like well that's happening now like i don't have a choice it kind of has to happen cool um, but i saw like a whole bunch of people practicing in the park and just the vibe lifting mm. up things changing and, and it becoming magnetic and uh, balancing out from that density to the more build that community you got to build that community yeah man yeah, we used to do it in Spain. We used to do a capoeira in the park in Barcelona. It was such a beautiful community. Oh my God, God, build it! Man. Capoeira is it's yeah, the best. Playing capoeira in a park about fifteen years ago when I met one of my best friends. So, uh, yeah, amazing. Getting those tap in on those intuitions right now, and I'd like to uh, <laughs> do some more work together as well, and you know, and and, be, and meet some of your uh, your community as well. So yeah, let's connect, man. Next time I'm in LA for sure. Next time you're in Australia, definitely link up and. Ah, uh, thank you. Welcome at our spot too. Thanks, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and thank you guys all for listening. Thank you very much. Yeah. Until next time.
Guys, keep the flow growing and the growth flowing. Let me see if well. I can do this. This button on the front is so um, small. 